0: Typically in Major League Baseball, a rebuild can take years. What the Mets just did in the span of a week is they bought a rebuild. I'm going to explain why this was exactly the right strategy on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans, you're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, I want to go through the Mets strategy at this deadline and why they did a great job identifying the best thing for this franchise and essentially bought a multi-year Rebuild In the first segment, I'm going to explain why this was the right time to go into that rebuild and how infrequently this franchise has made that decision. In the second segment, I want to talk about the trading of the Aces and, and why the Mets made out okay despite all the money they ate and why that money makes some sense. Then in the final segment... We'll look ahead at 2024 and why I still believe this is a team that can tend. And because of that, and because of what they just brought back into the system, I believe they absolutely are the biggest winners of this deadline. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. And we're an article about this topic today, how the Mets essentially bought a multi-year rebuild. Before we get into it, though, This episode of Locked on Mets is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same goes with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay's guaranteed fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, as I said, I wrote an article about this today, and really, it was my way to sit down and really take a cathartic approach and just analyze what happened. Because I, in some ways, was foreshadowing some of this on the show as far as the eating money and the fact that the Mets were going to be sellers. What I didn't realize, what was in front of us the whole time, is that the Mets were going to punt their aces. I don't think the Mets punted 2024. They punted 2023. But what the Mets did is they punted their aces. They gave up on the Scherzer-Verlander build. And I didn't see that coming. But now that I look back on it, it was clearly the right move to make. And it's proof in the prospects. The three best prospects they got back at this deadline came from those two trades. we a lot of people rank the top prospects moved at this deadline. A lot of them have the top two prospects moved as Luisa and Acuna and Drew Gilbert, the two headliners of the ace trades. And Ryan Clifford is coming up as high as the fourth best prospect on some lists. And Marco Vargas is in the top 10. So four of the top 10 prospects that are moved all around the game on the Mets. They needed to rebuild. And that's where I start the article, because the thing is, rebuilds suck. No fan ever wants to endure one. And I know there's a lot of fans who have checked out on this season already. And in some respects, rightfully so. Do yourself a favor. Tune in to Locked On Mets every day. I'll tell you what happened in the games. Although we're not going to break down this Royal Series because too much just happened. And I want to get to this change of course for the franchise. They lost again. They didn't score any runs. Okay. That's what happened. But when you're looking at a rebuild, typically, it is painstaking. It is. Years. Think about this franchise, right? When's the last time the Mets rebuilt? Answer? Early 2010s. Remember there was that team with David Wright and Jose Reyes and Carlos Delgado and Carlos Beltran, team that won 97 games in 2006, had four winning seasons in a row, but the last two ended in miserable failure where they blew those division leads. Let's not get into that. Well, 2009, you saw after those two collapses that the end was near. The Mets finished fourth. They went 70 and 92. 2010, 79 and 83. 2011, 77 and 85. 2012, 74 and 88. 2013, 74 and 88. 2014, 79 and 83. And then you get to finally a winning season in 2015, where they ended up going all the way to the World Series. That was a six-year span when the Mets had nothing but losing seasons and not a lot of hope. And, yeah, some seasons you got an R.A. Dickey. (laughs) That was an incredible find. And guess what? You turn him into prospects. And you have to hit on each of those moves to make a steady build up. And you trade Carlos Beltran as a rental bat and get Zach Wheeler. And it all culminates in 2015. Everything happens great. 2016, you make the playoffs again. Two times uh, in franchise history at that point, the Mets had actually made the playoffs in consecutive seasons. It was 1999, and 2000, and then it was 2016, 2017. They still haven't done it again because they're certainly not making the playoffs this year. After 2016, when that rotation started to fall apart outside of Jacob deGrom, you had a bad season in 2017. 2018, the Mets sold. How did they sell? They took as much money as they could back because it was the Wilpons. They traded all their rentals at, you know, you know, just get this money off our books and we'll take, you know, relievers back, relief prospects. And they tried to have a bullpen built for the future, I guess. <laughs> then they went right back in to trying to buy with, with the Wilpons 2019, 2020, before they finally, graciously sold the team. And since Steve Konis took over, he has been playing with a bad hand. And that's a hand that was dealt to him because the franchise was operated miserably by the well ponds No player development to speak of. Scouting actually pretty good, but developing that talent, not as great. No resources to develop the talent in the minor leagues. Um, and, and a farm system that was barren from trying to win year after year after year. And sending as many prospects as they could, particularly the last two years, 2019 and 2020. They actually bought at that 2020 deadline in a sham of a season. Can't even remember the piece. I know Todd Frazier came back. There was a catcher that's escaping me, but no, they tried. Steve Cohen is the proverbial big money gambler at the table, right? Whenever you get to one of these windows, he's going to leverage his money to try to win the hand. If you've ever been on a cruise, there's always that guy that has the most chips at the table if you're sitting at or obviously, if you go to a casino, that just shows where I've gambled on cruise ships. But <laughs> any poker table, okay, there's always the guy that is able to lay money on each hand and just bully people out. That's Steve Cohen. But if he's constantly looking at a bad hand, enough teams can call him, can compete against him, and can beat him. Now, instead, he took his chips and he changed the motive at this deadline. And it was, all right, we're going to sell. And we're going to try to get as many prospects back as we can to restart the rebuild. The Mets could have done it while keeping an eye on 2024. They could have kept the aces. They really could have. They could have traded David Robertson, Marcana, Tommy Pham. Dominic Leone somehow got something. Could have traded those guys kept the two aces, had a great rotation down the stretch. Hey, maybe the Mets would have capitalized on those 12% odds. But as Steve Cohen met with the media today, he was talking about the odds. Said they're at 15%. with other team's adding, maybe you'd bump it down to 12. Says you can't gamble on hope. It's not a smart way to do business. So what do they do? They pivot. And if they had just sold the rentals, Yeah, you would have got Marco Vargas for David Robertson. That's a nice pull, a guy that could be a top 100 guy in a year maybe. It might be on some list at the end of this year, but it's probably more like a year away from him realizing that top 100 100 potential. But your franchise isn't altered. What the Mets decided to do is they took their best two trade chips, guys that could go to playoff teams and be part of winning the World Series this year and they leveraged that with Steve Cohen's big money to desperate teams and got great returns. And you can look at the money and say, man, it's crazy. The Mets are carrying so much dead money on their books next year. We're going to get to that in the next segment of why this was the right move to trade the aces. But ultimately, the net result, and on tomorrow's show, I will be breaking down all the prospects with the prospect analyst. So tune into that one to get a little more info on the guys they got back. But the bottom line here is they added three top 100 talents and potentially the top three prospects in their farm system in those two trades. And that's what I to get to next because the more I look at it, the more I realize this was a stroke of genius from this Mets franchise. No one is going to like me saying that. They're going to say I'm caping up for Steve Cohen too much. But honestly, having the knowledge – of where you're at and what the right move is, having a pulse on that is something the Wilpons never did. And it's the exact type of thing that could eventually create a sustainable winner in Queen. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. Before we do, though, this episode is brought to you by Sleeper. You want the chance to win more money with less picks? Head to Sleeper, where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Sleeper is now offering up to 100 times payout for up to eight pick contests where you can choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats, like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you can win big. Plus, there's built-in group chat functionality where you can see and copy your group's picks with the tap of a button. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy, and they're safe and fast withdrawals. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. The New York Mets by the Kansas City Royals, 2-10 Eastern Time today. Catch every pitch in the Mets' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. All right, so I, I really want to get into the calculus the Mets had to make here when Decided to trade to Hall of Famers and Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. These were win now players. That's why you give them the insane contracts for Scherzer, three years, 130 million. And he was supposed to be that big ticket free agent, the first one the Mets really signed in the Cohen era that would deliver the World Series. He got three cracks at it, basically, because it was the player option in the last year. But everyone sort of assumed good chance he's exercising that. And you get some runs and you see what happens. And in the first year, it worked out for the Mets. You can't say otherwise. He pitched to a 2-3-3. All right, yes, he missed some starts, gave him 145 in a 3rd innings pitch, but he was a leader in that clubhouse, a clubhouse that put up 101 wins. Problem, though, last two starts didn't go well for Scherzer. Against the Braves in the regular season, a chance to win the division. Didn't show up. Then in the playoff series, the Mets decide to go to him because he's been the ace all year. Instead of starting the Grom game one, which in retrospect, I think ended up costing the Mets a little bit. Scherzer gives up four home runs, seven runs, and puts the Mets at a hole in that series that they ultimately lost. And then the disappointment continues this year. There was the injuries. There was the suspension. There was a 401 ERA and 23 home runs at 107 and two third innings pitched. Suddenly, Max Scherzer is not a $43 million pitcher anymore. And the Mets look at that, and they have to look at their investment, and suddenly it's changed. And how can you extract something from the original $130 million investment, that's getting dangerously close to netting Steve Cohen, nothing. Because guess what? If you hold on to him, you're not trading him in the offseason. And if Max Scherzer pitches to a 4-5 ERA and he's a rental next year, you're not getting a top 100 prospect or you know, maybe a top 50 prospect in Acuna. So how did they view Scherzer? Here's the other layer to it. Money owed this year was dead money. It already was. Cohen talked about it uh, in the press conference middle of the season where he said essentially that he was going to eat money on his current players to get better prospect value. He laid the groundwork. They did that on the Wardo Escobar trade before that press conference. And it was pretty much clear. They're going to do it again. We didn't know that they would do it to this extent with the aces, but it was a card that he had to play that he could play that no one else could that gave the Mets Incredible leverage to get great returns, and so he looks at Max Scherzer, and what he owes him for the next two years, the rest of this year, and then all of next year, fifty-seven million for one playoff run. At that point, that fourteen point six this year was already a, a sunk cost. So eat all that money. Look to flip him. The Rangers get a chance to plug a guy in on the minimum, basically, top their rotation. And next year, they got to pay him, you know, 22 million, 22 and a half. The Mets next year on the hook for a little over 20 million on Max Scherzer. So you look at money on your books next year, you basically said, all right, we're going to save over 20 million, you know, over 22 million, actually on the books next year. And we get Ronald Cougar Jr.'s little brother. That's a no-brainer of a trade. Now, the harder one to make is dealing with Justin Verlander because Verlander, you got two more cracks at it. And find me a better pitcher in free agency next year than Justin Verlander. You're not going to. So that was a more difficult decision to make. But again, I think it comes back to the dead money that they are this year. It's a lot of money to be paying guys when your team's going nowhere. and so. $14 million that you basically say that you're not getting anything for that part of the investment. Well, now you're looking at the money that Scherzer's owed if that vesting option hits. And it's a reasonable 140 innings. It's a good chance. He's going to hit that next year. Assuming he stays healthy. And If he doesn't stay healthy, well then yeah, it would have been on your books, but Hey, it's off your books anyway, then even now. So assuming the option is picked up, he'd be owed $93 million from the Mets and they're wasting 14.6 of it. So again, he eats that. Eats the money next year. You look at the retained salary for 2024, it's eerily similar between the two. It's like 20.8 for Verlander, I think, and 20.7 for Scherzer. It's you know neck and neck. It's it's basically the same deal for the next two years where they had identical contracts. And then it's 17 and a half million on the vesting option. But you end up paying 52 and a half million dollars for Trading Justin Verlander, that's what you're giving the Astros, and you get two prospects out of it, Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford. And again, I'll be talking about them at more length tomorrow, but really good prospects, the best two prospects in the Astros system. And in a blink of the eye, you land potentially your three best prospects. Now, Kevin Parada deserves to be in that conversation. There's going to be some that will put Jet Williams above Clifford or Alex Ramirez, or Ronnie Mauricio, of course. Mauricio, I'm almost putting him in a different place in my brain because I feel like he's going to be up soon. But this top 10 suddenly loaded. And it would not have been loaded to this extent if you didn't deal the aces. And you look at the roster next year, all that's gone is those aces. Brooks Raley, probably coming back. Adam Montevino, option to the player option, coming back. Omar Nevaez, same thing. The roster didn't get... Worse other than those aces, which is massive. But can the Mets replace those aces this offseason? Not to the fullest extent of getting guys of that pedigree, but of what they have become. And look, I know Verlander was pitching great. But looking at Scherzer in particular, if he becomes a 4-ERA pitcher next year too, can you find that in free agency? For the $20 million that you're saving by not having them on your books, you could probably do it for less. And then can you combine what you're doing for less and maybe spend $30 million or $25 million and get another potential ace or a frontline guy? I think we're overblowing the window in which the Mets are going into a rebuild, and we're not realizing they just bought their rebuild in a lost season anyway. And now... It's right back to contention next season. That's why I believe the Mets absolutely won this deadline. And that's what I'm going to close with in the final segment. Before we do, another word from our, from our sponsors. <laughs> The New York Mets play the Kansas City Royals at two ten Eastern Time today. Catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. I believe the Mets won this trade deadline because they brought in more talent than any other franchise outside of maybe the Chicago White Sox. When you look at the fact that the top two prospects dealt with this deadline, both came back to the Mets. I'm saying that of the sellers, they got the best haul, and obviously. If the Astros defend their World Series and Justin Verlander is the MVP or even is just a competent pitcher throughout the playoffs, they win, right? They won the deadline because they won the World Series. But outside the team that wins the World Series that bought at this deadline, the Mets impacted their future more than anyone else. And I don't think that their future plan is just 2025. Now, Steve Cohen today said they're not going to go with the same odds. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's good the Mets don't go into next season with the $370 million payroll and being the odds-on favorite to win a World Series. Maybe that's not the way to win in New York, where the pressure is ratcheted to a degree where a talented team just flops the way we've seen this year. But as I broke down a bit on yesterday's show, there's still a lot of talent on this roster. The Mets might extend Pete Alonso. They might extend Francisco Alvarez on top of it too. But you're looking at 2025 where they're $80 million under the luxury tax. Not say that they won't be a luxury tax team, but if they're ever going to get under, that would be the year. Next year, they're over. And they're already $30 million over. So there's And there's a lot of dead money on the books, obviously. But I find it hard to believe that the Mets are not going to spend in free agency at all when it's Steve Cohen who still wants to win. Now, what you need to see is you need some of these holes to be plugged up by the young talent. Mark Fantos is playing really well right now that he's getting some sustained playing time. Finally, he might be your DH next year. That might be one thing you can check off. All right. That's a right-handed bat that we like another power bat. We don't have to worry about adding a DH in free agency. Maybe Brett Beatty will stop playing horrible baseball. That would be something we'd all like to see. Hate to get on the kid, but at a certain point you kind of have to Um, not playing good defense, not playing good offense. There's every chance that when the Mets decide to call Ronnie Marisa, they might just send Brett Beatty down And I don't know, play Jeff McNeil at third base. Why not? I mean, just find a way to get guys into the lineup. Um, But maybe Beatty does break out at some point here. And maybe Brady. Brady, I I do that. Brett Beatty sometimes combines to Brady. I hate that I do that, but sometimes it happens. But Beatty could solidify third base. So those are questions that had to be answered. But as it relates to what the 2024 team looks like compared to the 2023 team, Pretty similar other than the two aces and David Robertson being gone. Who would have been gone anyway? Mark Canna and Tommy Pham. But you can make your Mark Canna, Tommy Pham signings this offseason. Hell, you could sign one of those guys back, potentially. Canna in particular. I could absolutely see him coming right back if the Brewers end up buying him out of that $11.5 million option. Now, you look at the bullpen. Edwin Diaz replacing David Robertson. I'd say probably a pretty good fit. Maybe you signed David Robertson back. Maybe he doesn't want to pitch for the Mets because he doesn't think they're going to contend. He wants to go to another contender. Fine. The bullpen's no worse than it already was this year, and obviously you would hope the Mets could find a way to fill that out. And who knows? Maybe some guys get auditions down the stretch this year that do solve some of those issues. But the big, big question is how do you rebuild the rotation? You can't go into next year with Kodai Sanga and Jose Quintana. Well, what the Mets just did – along with sending these guys out and getting a great prospect return is they punted bloated salaries. They got off of half of the salaries they were going to pay next year. Actually a little more than that. The money that is retained from those two guys on the books next year, 41 and a half million. Okay. That means that what you were going to pay one of those guys, you're actually paying less than that for both of them. Now you're not getting them to pitch for you. It's dead money. But it frees up spending money as well, because I don't think that suddenly Steve Cohen's going to look at his team that's over the luxury tax and say, yeah, I'm not going to pay that money that I saved. I think that that's still money that will be spent. And if you were going to add $25 million, $30 million to the payroll anyway, you might still have $75 million to shop with this offseason for all we know. The Mets might still roll out a pretty hefty payroll. I don't know. I think it depends on what these young guys look like. But if you specifically look at the rotation and the money saved, for $45 million, can you fill out a rotation in free agency? A pretty deep class, relatively speaking here. You absolutely can. Is it going to be future Hall of Famers? Is it going to be three aces atop your rotation? Probably not. But not every team has that. The Arizona Diamondbacks have won a lot of games this year with Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly and then just put peace in it together. The Baltimore Orioles, who's their ace? Not to say that is the way to win it all, but it's a way with a young team that you, you need a lot of guys to break out and you know, show up a little bit early here. You can build a, a steady rotation and end up in a position where you are right in the playoff mix at the deadline and, hey, now you got prospect capital to deal, and you got a, a window. Maybe that's the time you end up buying, and maybe you buy an ace with control. All of a sudden, Dylan Cease is available. Now the Mets are trading for Dylan Cease a year later, with a year left after it and a chance to extend him. So things can change very quickly for the Mets, and I think we're all jumping to really quick judgments to say that they're not going to contend in 2024. It's just a matter of that picture is very blurry right now. There's two more months of baseball, 55 games for some of these guys to go out, to perform and to earn jobs next year. And then you know how much you need. If you don't have to address your position players barely at all, and it's just rebuild the bullpen in a rotation. I think the Mets will make the necessary moves to at least put a competent team together that, Hey, if all of a sudden Luis Angel Cunha and Ronnie Mauricio are starring alongside Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, and Mark Vientos, along with Lindor, Nemo, McNeil, Alonzo. Who knows what the Mets look like next season? But you gotta be patient. You gotta trust that this young talent is going to bear some some fruit here. And the best part of it is they're gonna get the opportunity to do so. Brandon Nemo was talking about, um, you know, just getting his head around the the you know, retool, rebuild, repurpose, whatever you want to call it. And one of the things he mentioned, is in 2017, that was a year after the Mets made the playoffs twice, that he had an opportunity in a year where the Mets weren't going anywhere to play every day on the stretch, and he said it turned him into the ballplayer he is today. If you remember, 2018 was his breakout season. So maybe that's the case for Mark Fientos or for Brett Beatty. I mean, Beatty was getting his opportunities, but still, maybe it's, The case for Ronnie Mauricio, Mauricio is a star. We'll just have to wait and see, but that's what the rest of this year is about. It's about the youth, and I've said it countless of times over the last month here. I would rather watch young players play on a bad team than veterans. I'd rather watch young guys develop and turn that page to the future, and I think if you really – Peel back your fandom and your frustration about the fact that Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander were headlining your rotation a week ago and really think about what was the best thing for this franchise moving forward. I don't there's any question the Mets did exactly the right thing. Anyway, for all you everydayers, tomorrow's show was a great one. I already recorded it today with Jack McMullen, minor league play-by-play guy who covers prospects, and we dove all into the return the Mets got in these trades, particularly the Scherzer and Verlander returns. As well as the one for David Robertson. So make sure you check out that show tomorrow. Follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets. If you want to catch every pitch in that Tone broadcast, you can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.